0: Hey, Manifester. I'm Jacqueline Johnston, the creator of Manifest It and the author of the best selling books, Don't Feel Stuck. Do you want to know how to manifest, manifest faster? Join us because we're about to tell you just how we like to do it. <music>
1: Shake it up, stop when the clock hits thirteen. Sing one, two, three, four. Cus, cuz, cuz. No one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it.
0: Hey, Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on the Manifested podcast today. I know that you are an award-winning producer and you are an animal welfare advocate for your podcast show, in Justice for Animals. Can you explain how you got to this point
1: in your journey and why it's so important for you? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on your show. Hello, and hello to your listeners. I am, I guess what you would call like a multi-hyphenate type of person, because I have a lot of things I do, but I think they all stem from this love I have for animals and of being of service, right? So, and it took me a while to find out what that path was in my life. I was a producer, director, writer. I've been doing that for years in the entertainment industry, Happily, I love that work. I went to the American Film Institute, started making short films right out of uh, that experience, and then started working for all the studios and producing content for them, a lot of marketing stuff for feature films. And then, but I've always had a love for animals. And so I started using the talent I had in filmmaking uh, to create content that would get the word out about animal welfare issues that were important to me. But 10 years ago, when I really got involved in animal welfare issues, it was really bringing awareness around puppy mills and what puppy mills were and how awful they were and how they were supplying dogs to pet stores. And a lot of horrible breeders across the United States were selling these puppies to pet stores and or selling them on the Internet. And a lot of people were getting these dogs and not understanding why they were sick, why they were dying. So that became a real strong passion of mine. And I started making short videos and PSAs around that subject. And then I started working, um, talking about manifesting. I didn't know how to help get any laws changed or anything. I didn't know how to do a protest. I organized a protest, not knowing what the heck I was doing, but I started protesting these stores in Southern California. It was a pet store chain that were selling puppy mill dogs that were all sick. So I started organizing these protests and people showed up and I used social media for that. And I, along with thousands of other activists working on the same subject, um, and some incredible lawyers who were working on it, were able to get the laws changed in California to basically ban these pet stores. It was it took 7 8 years to make that happen. I was able to convince a huge god how do you describe it a, a mall developer to they had 75 malls across the United States and they just by my working with them and telling them that why are you running space to these stores that are selling these really sickly dogs? They decided to go humane and take all those stores out of their malls. And that took maybe four or five years for me to accomplish. And then from there, with the short films I was making, the PSAs I was making, I was winning awards for those. And those PSAs were all about bringing awareness to pet adoption because I love adopted and rescued pets. I have two rescue dogs of my own. I started a podcast called Injustice for Animals. I did a first season of it a couple of years ago. It's picked up a lot of new listeners during covid and um, I have, I think there were 10 episodes on that. All I interviewed amazing animal welfare experts and we're going to be getting ready for our second season. I absolutely love it. So that's sort of how that all came about.
0: Wow. That's very admirable because yeah, there's so much red tape when it comes to laws and the government and I work at universities, So I'm always dealing with red tape of laws, whether it be state or federal, that's just really admirable because it does take a lot of work to make change. And especially when it comes to laws, I didn't even know you did that, that part. That's amazing. (laughs) You have like, you're a realtor licensed realtor. Yes. Yeah. You've worked in the Hollywood industry. You have your podcast. Like, how do you juggle everything?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because initially when you reached out to me, it was for, you know, you had seen my real estate work because yes, I'm a realtor in Southern California, but this is sort of a new thing I started doing. I got my license about four years ago. I'm in the Long Beach area, but I do all of Southern California I got my real estate license for a couple of reasons. I mean, I was working in the entertainment industry. Things were, I was getting very frustrated with the way um, a couple of jobs had, I just hadn't been treated very well. So I had two experiences back to back where I was treated like absolute crap. And when that happens, you have to kind of look at yourself and go, hmm, okay, so am I getting joy out of this? Is there something else I maybe should be doing? Or do I need to step away for a while and learn something new? Just shake it up. I remember my father, who's been gone many years now, but my father used to always have a dictionary next to the couch. And I was like, why do you do this, dad? He goes, because I always want to learn something new every day. And if I hear a word on the television that I don't understand, I want to look it up. Okay. So for me, I was raised that way. It's sort of like, you're not just one person and you can shift and you can try new things. doesn't mean every single thing is going to work out. The big challenge is to have non-attachment. So I got my real estate license thinking, well, I'm going to learn about real estate now. I don't know what that means maybe I'll become an agent. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll just help my mother on her next purchase or my brother and my or my friends or myself. But you know, I ended up really liking it. I've enjoyed almost every transaction I've had. I've had some challenging clients.
0: I worked in real estate for seven years, so I understand.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Okay. And how about trying to uh, do real estate during a pandemic? That's um, a whole other situation because even showing property is way different. So but I also thought it's another avenue, another financial avenue for me to, to bring in money. And then it goes back to my love for animals so I can help animals. So I can donate, you know, every transaction I have and make a donation to a local rescue. It allows me to I'm working on a documentary right now. So it brings in income for that, a documentary on again the puppy mill issue, because unfortunately those haven't gone away, although they should. So I'm working a documentary on that. So I just, I guess, I don't know if I answered your question about how do I do it all, but I'm not doing it all at the same time. I'm not doing it all at the same time. I do a little bit of this and then I do that job. Then I'll go back to that. I'm, I bounce around.
0: So you're, you would say that you are open-minded in the fact that income as well as success can happen in multiple avenues and multiple streams which I think is very important because a lot of people, they think they see success in a snapshot and they don't realize that there's so much more going on behind the scenes. A lot of people do a lot of different things and they may not talk about all those things. They may focus more in one area, but it doesn't mean that you yourself, if you want to succeed in something that you have to put
1: all of your time and energy into that specific area. For sure. And then the question is, what is success to you? Because right. success to me is different than what success is probably to you. I mean, in America, I think success, unfortunately, is often tied to just money and how big of a house you have and what kind of car you drive and yada, 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 right? Um, that's not success to me. I, I'm, that might have been success to me in my 30s but um, I'm not in my 30s anymore. I'll say it. I'm in my 50s right now. So I've learned that some of our um, the most miserable people on the planet are wealthy. And if you think about success, oh yeah, they've got that fancy car. They've got the, the fancy clothes, but they are miserable. And I know some of those people in my life They're and they're constantly trying to change their looks as well. The plastic surgery, the, all the stuff that people do to themselves is like, wait a minute, why are you doing that? I think that because of the younger generations, you yeah. know, they
0: look at, at social media and see a bunch of influencers and see the entertainment industry workers. And yeah, there's a lot of plastic surgery and there's a lot of oh look I'm carrying this brand you know in my photo or I'm right. wearing this brand on tv and I come my my grandfather he helped pioneer the personal pc with IBM so wow. he, was, he was super successful and he has a lot of money but mm-hmm. he has his head on straight like he understands right. that like family and friendships are the most important things in life and not materialism
1: mm-hmm. and
0: so we were raised To not only be ambitious and go after what we want in our lives and find our own version of success, Mm -hmm. but to also stay grounded because Americans tend to think that success equates to money. And then you look outside of America and you see Europe and a lot of Europeans, they love to travel and they love to be with their families and they want the freedom of time. I really feel like in terms of why I started Manifest It, I started the brand Manifest It because I wanted people to understand that they could manifest anything and everything they want in life. While on that journey of manifesting, because we're allowed to have multiple avenues of purpose work and income, you know, it's okay to change and evolve over time and decide, well, I used to be into this, but I'm not anymore. And that's okay. Just because somebody on TV or somebody on social media is wearing something or looks a certain way, or even thinks a certain way, doesn't mean that you also have to think that way, look that way
1: or behave that way. Oh my God, that would be so sad if everyone thought they had to look like everyone else. That's tragic. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're all supposed to be individuals. And what is it? I mean, the the one constant, there's a couple of constants, but change is inevitable. Change is happening all the time.
0: The physicists that I work with, that's what they study, constant change, right? With the particles of the universe. But some of them are so not into change; they hate it. (laughs) And I'm like, you study physics for a living, like you're a
1: researcher, like you prove things in the universe. You don't like change. Wow. Well, that's why they chose the career they're in. Because I mean, when they said some of the nuttiest people on the planet are psychologists. No disrespect to my psychologist friends, right? Psychologists have psychologists because we're all human. <laughs> or how about the doctors who look like crap? I mean, that's going to be my favorite word now on your podcast. I know I can say it. Yeah. There's other words I'd be saying now, but how about going to a doctor who's all about your health and the guy or the gal looks terrible. I've had that where I go in the room and just go seriously. <laughs> so you became, <laughs> you're a doctor and you're not taking care of yourself. Okay. All right no judgment, but it is, it's an interesting thing. Why do we choose our careers? Why do we choose our path? It's all about choice. My work with animal welfare, I didn't have to do it. We have the choice, but also there's a lot of things that fall into place that that sort of guide you and tell you, hey, pay attention here. This is something that you should be doing because you're going to learn a lot from this and you might even um, affect great change through this work, you know? But don't stay attached to the outcome. Do not. Because when you do, and it doesn't turn out the way you hoped it would, then you get depressed and then you start getting down on yourself. And Lord knows I've done a lot of that in my life. And I try not to do that anymore. I try to be very unattached to outcome.
0: Yeah, I've noticed because I manifested literally 99% of everything that I wanted within 10 months. Mm -hmm. And I did it because I wasn't attached to the outcome. I just thought, Oh, this would be great if this happened. Okay. Well, this also would be great if this happened. And it wasn't so much this or that it was this Mm -hmm. and that. So Mm -hmm. I hate that our, our world is becoming a side favored civilization because the universe, it doesn't operate with sides. It's elemental particles are round, and they bounce around everywhere all mm-hmm. the time. And there isn't really a side. And so when people create sides, it creates divisiveness and it further segregates. Cannot stand it when people just completely throw other people into a stereotypical group based on... One belief, one belief that they may have, that doesn't mean that they vote a certain way. It doesn't mean they behave a certain way. It's just like stereotypes and sides. I really shouldn't exist, but it does. And I think it exists because we need to overcome that limited thinking. Mm -hmm. So when you want to manifest whatever it is, think about other things you want to manifest in your life. Because, like you said, things may not work out like exactly how you envision it, but I know it works out much
1: better. They rarely do. I can't think of many times in my life where things turned out the way I thought they would. And that, you know, sometimes it's been relationships that fell apart where I went into them and I was married. And, I, and two years later, I'm going through a divorce. And I'm like, what in God's name is this? And did I manifest this? Well, I certainly manifested I guess the relationship and I was really excited to get married. And then, you know, two years later, it's sort of a disaster. But then 10 years after that, as all my friends know, I mean, one of the biggest catalysts in my life was that was going through a divorce. And that broke me to a point where I could have my heart opened even wider. You either shut down or you, you have your heart broken up open. And uh, there's a great book called Broken Open. I think, I think there's a great book on that. And it's all about that, how crisis and whatever you're going through, if you allow it, will help break your heart open wider. But just going through that experience is probably the number one reason I'm doing animal welfare work, which is just bizarre. Like who would have thought? And it's because that relationship, I didn't have a pet. My ex didn't want us to have animals I was not living in my authenticity at all. I was letting him kind of dictate. And then, so when that marriage was over, I had a really strong calling to adopt a pet. And I did. And then I adopted an amazing cattle dog. And from there, I got really in tune with what other animals were going through. I got very educated on animal rescue and these pet stores and puppy mills. And, all, and I was just like, holy crap, I would not be here had it not been for that relationship falling apart. And I like the person I am better now because I'm living authentically than I was then. Was, were things easier then for that short amount of time? Sure big house money fancy car you name it it all looked great yeah on the surface
0: it looks great but when you peel back the layers
1: yes indeed so you know
0: I, I know we were talking before the recording and we both said we're empaths it's so funny that I'm listening to you right now talking about how he didn't really like pets well I don't think I've ever talked about this to my audience. Yeah, I've never really mentioned it. Well, I was in a relationship. I wanted a cat and he didn't want me to have a cat. We did not live together. We were together for about two years and I got a cat because I wanted a cat. He was just like, I can't believe you did this. Like You said we were going to talk about this first. And I was like, we did talk about it. And you kept saying you didn't want me to get a cat, but I really want a cat and I'm going to take care of this guy. It's my place. you know. And I realized even though at the time I didn't know what narcissism was at Mm. all, I had no Mm -hmm. clue. I was in my mid twenties. I was really naive, but I realized afterwards uh, I did end up giving that cat away because I felt you did. did. Yeah, I did. I adopted the cat and then I brought it back to the Mm -hmm. shelter. I went to the SPCA and to this day, I think about that cat all the time and I feel so guilty because I loved that little cat. I only had it for like 24 hours and it was a little baby orange and white cat. And I named him Shakespeare. And my boyfriend just like made me feel like the worst person because one, I didn't get approval from him Two, You uh-huh. know, now our relationships completely changed because you've got a cat. And it's like, I was 24, 25 at the time. Didn't really know how to love myself? I had a horrible self-esteem, and right. yeah, so I ended up taking the cat back, and I, to this day, I still feel so guilty about it.
1: And it was a young cat, so I know it got adopted by it. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those are the those are the things we go through in life that are so painful, and we and they stay with us forever, but they do shape us in mm-hmm. in ways that it's hard to explain. Because you know, I have some of those too in my life where I'm like wow, I completely compromised who I was for another person. And it's really hard to admit that. But then you have to forgive yourself. I have found that if you don't forgive, I mean, you just have to, because you did the best at the time. And you also... You know, it's interesting, the empath thing, because I had friends tell me I was an empath before I knew I was. An, I didn't even know what that was. I just had friends. I had one very good friend, um, Pia. She said it to me during COVID. I thought I was before, but here I am just not really getting what that is, but she's an expert in... Mental health and psychology, and all that. And she's like, well, You know, Jen, you're an empath. And I was like, Okay. And she said, Because her son is too. So, because I, an empath, feel things so, 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 so deeply. And it's so fascinating to me how empaths we often allow. And this, I did a lot of study in all the time of COVID. We had a lot of time to dig into get lost in YouTube videos. And I found a couple of experts on, you know, on being an empath and why we attract we do attract narcissists like and it sort of makes sense because they are attracted to what they're not right they don't have this deep connection with animals or other human beings or anything my marriage i was married to a narcissist they're very charismatic they're often as you said successful and pass, we don't really meet a person or fall in love and go, oh, this is really going to be an awful person. We don't see, we don't see the, we, even we, the potential of that.
0: We see it as, oh, they're really charismatic and a lot of people like them, but we don't right. realize that they're all just like surfaced acquaintances and they're yes. not like real friends of these people. They're just They're just nice people to the public. They're yes
1: people. They're yes people. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's that whole, oh, wow. They're super successful in their career. Well, then they must be a good person because look at all of this, all these blessings that have come to them. Right. Right. But, But we don't realize until we realize who we are and why we're attracted to narcissists. Is because we as empaths, we look for the good in them and we realize that everything is so convoluted when it comes to the psych and it's not just black and white. And so when we see their manufactured image, we think, oh, they're good people because look how many people like them, and look how much fun they are, and look at all of the success they've. I mean, obviously, all these blessings have come to them. They love bomb and then we
1: feel like we're a princess or a queen or the most. That, for that short amount of period, and for all the people listening who are empaths, they're all nodding their head right now. And any narcissists listening are going, "What are they, What are those two women talking about?" <laughs> I don't think any
0: narcissists are listening to my,
1: (laughs) you don't think you have a huge narcissist following.
0: I don't think so because, um, I, I mean, the people that are famous and they are narcissistic, I'm very outspoken about them and I don't like them. And I, if people ask my opinion, I'm like, Nope, they're fake. You know, like I, I, I really don't think I attract the same audience people. You know what I mean? So I don't think I have narcissists who listen to me. I don't think so. I could be wrong. But if you are
1: listening and you're a narcissist, please reach out and let us know your thoughts on this, right? <laughs> and leave the empaths alone. We don't need you narcissists chasing us down and marrying us for God's sake. Leave us alone.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then after the love bombing phase, that becomes like the devaluation phase. And then that's when we, as empaths, we start questioning ourselves. And And that was the phase I was in with the cat situation. Uh. Like, The relationship was like two years. And so I was in that phase where he already had me hook, line, sinker. I trusted him and he knew it. And so it was slowly, slowly devaluation phase. And I just felt so bad. I felt like the worst girlfriend because I upset him. (laughs) And now I look back on it because I I didn't know what narcissism was at the time. And now I do. And that was like 10 years ago. And Well, longer than 10 years ago, but now I look back on it and, and I'm like, you know what? I didn't know. I did the best I could, like you said.
1: Earlier. Yeah, plus we don't know until you go through something like that, until you literally go through a storm like that, and then are forced to do the research to kind of figure out what happened and how did I let myself get in that situation? Because it was more about when I was going through my divorce, I had a therapist. So I go went to my therapist and I would just complain. And I'd go, why, why, why is he doing this? And why is he so, you know, because he was just saying awful stuff to me. And she said to me, look, Jennifer, I validate everything you're saying. It is true. You married a narcissist. Okay. But here's the deal. You can spend the next 20, 30, 40 years trying to figure out why he does what he does, and you'll never figure it out. Or you can just spend the time working on you and why you let this person in and how you're going to protect yourself moving forward and surround yourself with love and people who lift you up and learn how to move out of the relationships like much faster if you're working with a narcissist, dating a narcissist, because they don't always tell you who they are right off the bat. It takes a while, right? or a sociopath. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you don't know right off the bat. they are
0: everywhere and you don't realize it because the psych yeah. has so many like angles and so many levels. Like there's different levels of narcissism. It's not just a cut and dry thing. And same with sociopaths and psychopaths. Like a lot of people think psychopaths are the ones that act in violence, but it's mm-hmm. the sociopath that responds to the violence and the psychopath is more calculated. Like the sociopath just kind of flies off, you know, they get angry and they just kind of react and fly off the handle. Which and one then was, the, Which
1: one was Ted Bundy?
0: He was psycho, I think. He's a psychopath. Think, yeah. Cause he was more of the calculated,
1: like he planned everything. That's right. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not. I was
1: too confused and I'm trying not to date either one.
0: I'm not a therapist, <laughs> but like. From everything I've read, like there's just different levels to to each
1: personality profile. Even with empaths, there's different levels and different... Totally, totally. The first sign for me, I guess, years and years and years ago that I was an empath and I didn't know what it was, was when I was living with an ex-boyfriend in the Hollywood Hills. And there was a magazine, a People magazine um, that I was reading. No, it wasn't People. It was Time. Okay, let's I got to give the right shout outs to the magazines, right? And we're talking 20 something years ago, but there was a picture of a little girl on the cover of Time magazine who had been killed by her I think it was either her parents or her foster parents. I can't remember, but it was a failure of the system. It was a story about the failure of the system and how this little girl they had just dropped all the balls. There had been warnings, right? And I remember my boyfriend came home and I was bawling, literally bawling. And he was like, what is wrong with you? Like, I mean, I understand that that's sad, but you are really sensitive. And I was like, yeah, I guess I am. I didn't apologize for it, but I realized not everyone will see a magazine like that and a cover and read an article and have it affect them to the way it affected me. Like I literally felt like I, why couldn't I have been there to help that little girl? And so, or what are we doing? And it's the same way I felt when I found out about the way dogs were treated in these puppy mills and all that. I was like, I have to do something. And that I felt like I actually could, you know, and and I've been able to actually do some stuff around that, which has been very gratifying. But that was my first clue that I (laughs) I was an empath. And there were probably clues way before that. I guess I don't make apologies for it. Sometimes it can be super hard because I mean, even this year of COVID, every time I heard about a new person passing away, it's been just brutal, right?
0: I'm not going to lie. Last year uh, around this time when John Prine passed away, that was my first set of tears <laughs> like oh. that for me and for the young uh, listeners, John Prine is a musician and he is a wonderful musician oh. and he made a lot of impact in people's lives. Um, Mm -hmm. decades and I was sad. It was like news thing, this person, this person, like this doctor, then this grandma, this sister, Mm -hmm. this mom. And then, and I heard of other celebrities, but I don't know what it was, but when I heard John Prine, it was
1: just like, okay, that's it. Now the waterworks are coming. Right. Well, I have waterworks coming all the time. I just let them flow because I know it's healing. And people who hold in tears are doing their bodies a great disservice. I think if you hold it in, it's going to come out in other ways, right? You're most likely going to get sick if you're not allowing yourself to feel pain, right? And I know people who've literally not, who have shut down and are, I think addictions are way up during COVID, right? I think a lot of people who haven't been able to allow themselves to feel deeply, I think are um, finding ways to escape. And it's sad.
0: Alcohol sales went up a lot last
1: year. Yeah. When you talk about, I'm curious, I know this is a show where you're interviewing me, but I'm curious with manifestation because I think we manifest the good, the bad, and the ugly towards ourselves. I don't think it's just, right? Do you have tips on how to not to just manifest the positive and not the negative? Do you feel like it's important to also manifest some negative stuff in order to learn through it? What are your thoughts?
0: It's the latter because the universe and the way it's constructed energy influence itself. So even though, again, it's that whole attachment to the outcome, we don't have any control over other people. We don't have any control over certain events, but if we try to constantly be in control of other people and events, then like you said, we're putting more stress on our bodies. And because our bodies are literally the universe, because we're all made up of the elements, it's like, the more emphasis you put through your emotions and feelings and thoughts on a particular subject, even if you don't want it, the fact that you're focused on it, even if it's through worry, you're saying, Hey, this is where, this is where my attention goes. This is where the energy's flowing. This is where I want the outcome to go. Now, I'm not saying that we manifest being raped or being killed or any of that. Again, we don't have control over outcomes. What we have control over is our focus uh-huh. and, and how we choose to respond to it and not react to it because reaction is based on emotion, whereas response is more of using logical. So I think that it's super important that we learn from what happens. Again, it's not like you did something wrong, it's just, You were meant to learn from a certain experience or a certain person's relationship to help yourself for your future, because you want the best for yourself and you want the happiness that you can possibly have. But in order to obtain that, you have to understand the value of not only yourself, but the value of happiness. And I was abused in the past. And there are times even today where I go, well, what did I do to deserve this? But then I think about all the things I learned over the years about myself and about other people and about relationships and including work relationships, you know, and I realize now I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for those things. So it's not like I'm saying, oh, thank you. Let me experience this again. It's more like, thank you for teaching me this lesson. I forgive that it happened, not in the sense of, I'm giving a pass at it. It's more like I'm releasing it and letting it go because I've already learned everything I can from this. I think that's why it's important, like you said, not to be attached to the outcome and really and truly be open to all kinds of blessings coming your way because you will be shocked at how much better things come to you for you when you are relaxed about it and are open to multiple good things coming your way. Doesn't mean that bad things won't happen because energy cannot be created nor destroyed. As Albert Einstein says, it's only influencing itself. So even if you're having bad times or bad moments or a bad day, this too shall pass as the famous saying is. So it's really and truly how you choose to respond to it. And that's why I like that you say it's all choice. It's Mm -hmm. all choice because if we could control other people, then that means we would be controlled. And who wants to be like stuck in a relationship, a work relationship, a friendship with someone that you don't want to be around.
1: When I'm in a situation like that, and it's so difficult, and it's so just like, what is going on? Before I bail, or just because I will, I'll just say, you know what, this this relationship um, is not working. And I'm talking about whether it's you know business or love or whatever. Um, the only relationship I would never cut off was one with an animal. <laughs> Because I know with rescue animals, you got to give them time and then they come out of their shell and it may take a while. But if you're with a toxic person in work or romance, whatever, and your first inclination is to just bail, get rid of this as quick as possible, I will do a lot of meditation around it before I do that. Because for me, it's all, okay, what are the lessons I'm supposed to be getting out of this? What are the lessons? Because there are lessons. And if I bail too soon out it, and sometimes what will happen is if I don't bail, if I don't cut it off, they'll cut it off two weeks later. And then, you know, so it will disconnect, but I didn't just run because it became difficult. You never stay in something that is abusive, like a physically abusive situation to learn any lessons out of it. Okay. Like all the young girls listening to this podcast, you never stay in something like that. You find a way to get out.
0: It's so hard when you're in that moment. And you think, well, they love me and that's why they're calling me or that's why they want me to come home or no, they're doing it because they want to control you and manipulate you
1: and yeah, yeah. where your boundaries are. And It's absolutely true. It's just because I know you have younger listeners and, you know, as someone who's been through, who's had great relationships and some really bad ones, I've learned through all of them, right? I was with a guy that, you know, he never hit me, but he, there was one time where he got so angry that he pushed me against a wall, right? Now I knew at that moment, that is it. So then I had to figure out a way I was living with him. I didn't have any income coming in because I had gone back to school. So I had to really put together a plan before I... Because I I could just see it escalating. You know, once someone goes that far, it's just going to get worse. They're not going to all... You know, unless they're in deep therapy or something. I knew he wasn't going to do that. So... Um, I had to concoct a plan. I had to reach out to friends. I had to find a place. I was sleeping on the floor and um, I had the support, you know, but I also just knew I had to. My life was more important and my dignity and my self-esteem and all that. And, by and you know, and I left that relationship and I'm not talking, that wasn't, uh, I've had two, I would say in the many years I've been on this planet, I've really actually had just two really lousy ones. And then I've had some great love, loves in my life. So I feel blessed. I feel bad for, for young women who haven't had a good loving relationship experience yet. And their first one is a bad one because they're not all that way. You know, since this is a show about manifesting, you know, and you said something earlier about, it's not my fault. I didn't bring this. That's absolutely true. I mean, it's not your fault. If someone is mistreating you or devaluing you, that's not your fault. It's it's their issue. That's absolutely their issue. It's your power to mm-hmm. make the choice
0: of how you're going to respond to it. And yeah, that, yeah, that's where you can empower yourself by creating the boundaries that are necessary. Yeah. And, and being firm and consistent because you got to trust the process. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, if you can think about something that you thought at the time was really hard to get over, and now that you're over it and you're out of it, whatever it was, whether it's a work boss you know, situation where they were mistreating you or a friendship or a, a relationship, love relationship, you know, you got out of it because you're out of it and you're thinking back on it. And it comes with experience that you start to realize and reflect. But if you're in a situation right now where you think that you don't know if it's going to get better. You hope it gets better, whether it's a work situation or a love relationship or a friendship, but you just feel tired and drained and disheartened. What is your advice to these people? Because, you know, you've worked in an industry where it's tight, throat-cut industry. Oh, yeah. In, in in the real estate industry, which is yeah. a lot of it is image, just like Hollywood. And, just, mm-hmm. and then with the animal welfare work that you're doing, it's not all positive stuff that you're dealing with. So how do you get from that place of feeling hopeless and helpless and powerless Mm -hmm. to where you feel now, where you feel like you have power and you feel happier and you live a more positive life?
1: Wow that's a that is one big question and that is because i you know in all honesty um you're right the animal welfare stuff does get really depressing because as soon as you know all the facts it's like holy moly and you know and i and quite honestly as much work as i do there are people out there doing way more work than i am and those are the people i'm interviewing on my podcast you know and justice for animals like i interview them because i want to learn from them you know how do i stay positive what I meditate a lot, okay? Meditation is a fabulous, fabulous medicine, nature's medicine, I would say. You know, I meditate a minimum of 10 minutes a day. It's basically saved me through COVID because I've been going through this alone with my two dogs. I don't, I'm not in a relationship now. I do my meditations, I walk in nature. I'm all every single day, I'm out, I'm either walking at the beach walking with my dogs. I try to stay in the present moment. That's a big challenge for me, but I study people like Deepak Chopra and Eckhart Tolle uh, who talk about the present being all we really have. This is it. Today, we're not who we were a week ago. We're not who we were a month ago. We are who we are right now in this moment. And in this moment, I like who I am. I'm living authentically. I'm being honest. I have friendships that I put energy into. My advice to people is to always reach out. If you're feeling, you know, when I'm feeling scared, depressed, all the things we as humans all feel, I have my list of friends that I can call. It's not a big list. It's not a long list. <laughs> I mean, my dad told me when I was a young kid, he said, Jennifer, you're going to find out. When you get older, that if you're, you can count all your friends on one hand, you'll be blessed. Not that that sounded ridiculous. I was like, that sounds awful, dad. I want to have like a thousand friends. And now in the world of social media, we're all told we have to have millions of friends, right? <laughs> millions of likes. But the real truth is that I have my, I would say five friends that I can call. And when I'm feeling that I need a boost, I need a lift. I need someone to remind me that I matter. I want everyone to have that. And if you if you feel now you're listening, I don't have any of those people in my life. You probably do. You just have to really, really sit down and like I've made a list of people that were in my life that are no longer in my life. You know, I was feeling depressed about that. I was like, oh my god, you know, why have some people left me? And I miss that friend. And then I then I sat down and made a list. And I, I made a list of people who had been in my life and left. And then people who were in my life now and how they came into my life. And I, when I saw it all written down, I was like, wow, am I blessed? Holy moly.
0: That's why, um, manifest it. My whole thing is write it down
1: because write it down.
0: Yeah. Cause Erica Badu, she has that famous quote where she's like, if you want to see, you know, crap get real, she says the S word, but
1: yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: On Spotify promised I was clean, but I'm yes. have you on my podcast, we'll talk about animal rescue. And you can say S all you want, but she says, if you want to see us get real, write it down.
1: And that's how it, I, went. It, it actually made me cry because I was feeling so lonely. I was feeling like I have nobody, I have nobody. I got into that just ridiculous mindset. I don't have a big family, you know, I don't have like a, all you know, a huge family. I can, my friends are my family. But I had had some friendships just go away, disappear. I couldn't figure out what was going on. And then I realized, holy moly, when those relationships left, not too long after some phenomenal people came in, you made physical space, you cleared
0: out, you cleared out what was no longer serving and and whether it was you clearing out or they just, you know, it happens. It happens. all. Yeah. Yeah thing with work situations, people think, Oh my God, I got laid off or I got fired. I'm horrible worker. I'm a horrible human being. it's like, no, this is giving you physical space for something much better to come.
1: Yeah. Well, one of the things like my, (laughs) my ex-husband who uh, was uh, an an actor, he basically, one of the only things something he said to me years ago that I'm grateful that he shared this with me, even though we went through hell, that relationship was basically hell. He did give me some nuggets. And as an actor, you know, cause there are times where he was working all the time and times he had no work. And I never saw the guy now he was a narcissist, but I was like, I never saw him um, worry about anything. I said, why don't you worry about it? And, and he was basically, well, you have to learn how to ride the waves. Now, you have to learn how to ride the waves in life. And at the time I was like, hmm, interesting. I grew up at the beach. I was kind of a beach girl. And I never thought of life that way. And it is sort of true. So even you can get nuggets out of people that aren't going to be in your life. or the, And that's a perfect example. Like that is the one thing I remember that he said to me that actually really sunk in and that you can't, if you're riding a wave, well, guess what? Eventually that wave is going to land on the shore. It might it might, you you might flip over, you might get your face in the sand, you pull up, you get back in the water, you ride into the, or the water could be still, nothing could be going on and and you start freaking out. So I, that has been my life. I think that's the life of a lot of people where you have to trust the process, have to understand that we're not always supposed to be going going, 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 succeeding, 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 you know, making money, making money. But there's times I think of bears in hibernation. There's a time where like a lot of animals hibernate. They don't do anything. Yeah. They relax. It's funny that you say all that
0: because there's a
1: saying that
0: I, I often give in my Facebook group and like my audience, my book readers, I say breakthroughs are a surge of a wave. Like you feel the tension of the wave pulling you back in the ocean. And right before there's that release you feel it pull you back so much tension, and then all of a sudden you surge forward, and that's the breakthrough. You're mm-hmm. surging forward. And when that surge forward movement happens, you just yeah, surfing, you're gliding, you're flowing.
1: And mm-hmm.
0: there is a I don't know who said this quote. Um, I just saw it online and I thought it was very intriguing. Um, it says, When you stop struggling, you float. Mm. That's true. When you stop like struggling in the ocean kicking around kicking mm-hmm. around like your body just floats mm-hmm. and so i loved that you mentioned the waves because mm-hmm. i always talk about that like the breakthrough comes re- and you feel so much tension and you just like it's like gripping something so tight mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're like i give up whatever i don't even care what the outcome is anymore i give up and then it's like bam all these things that you wanted instantly start emerging into your physical realm Because you let go of struggling and you let go of control and you let go of worrying about the outcome.
1: Well, I mean, you know, I, I study a lot of Buddhism and it's all about non-attachment and I've had non-attachment, like every time I get attached to something is, it's basically ripped out of my hands (laughs) and, and I will be like, oh, not again. But then, but then a week later or in meditation, I'll go, yes, again. Because I was attached to it or too attached to it. You know, I think it's very hard not to get detached to things that you love or people or animals, whatever. But um, I don't get attached to stuff. I don't get attached to things. I mean, I lost a house in a fire and everything in it uh, in 93. So uh, basically, I learned through that experience, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's the, the most uh, dramatic way possible to learn the lesson of non-attachment when you have every single thing that you own. You know, burn and My your home and your family home.
0: My professor, he's worked in, and lived in Berkeley for a long time, mm. and he in the nineties his house burned down. Yeah, in the fires, and it was one of the most devastating and hardest things for him to get through. But he also met his, the love of his life through like support groups, and so like something good came out of it, even though
1: it was so much disaster and. Mm-hmm. Perfect example, like like that is the perfect example of what we're talking about. That even through the worst, like through the rubble, you know, you're gonna find some beauty. As I said, you know, again before we start recording, it's like I look at the I look at life as a university. I look at life as the ultimate university. Every day we wake up, we're like, I personally am like, wow, what am I gonna learn today? What the heck am I gonna learn today? What am I gonna experience today? how can I not be attached to outcome? How can I just go with the flow, you know, ride the waves, um, however we want and whatever metaphors we want to use. And sometimes at the end of the day, I I? You know, I will again, write it down. You know, what am I grateful for? Did I learn anything new today? What new challenges did I face or, um, who, or who even popped into my brain today? Because a lot of times, someone will pop into my brain that I haven't thought of in like months. And I'll be like, oh, I better call that person or I wonder what's going on with that person. And it's always usually a great conversation. Another thing I have to say to your listeners, don't be afraid to pick up the phone. If this is a great thing that real estate has taught me is that because with real estate, you're constantly having to call people. And, you know, and it's always awkward for me because I was like, oh, I don't want to bug these people. I think it's one of the reasons I got into real estate is to teach me this lesson of, of really breaking through some of your fears when it comes to communication. Like just pick up the phone. And call people. They want to talk to you. And if they don't, they'll just say, Hey, I'm busy. But a lot of people want to just know that their opinions matter, that they matter, that someone's out there thinking about them. We live in such a society now where everyone's on their phones, but they're not calling people,
0: right? (laughs) So, and how would you, as an empath, you know, we're Mm -hmm. super sensitive. As an introvert, I hate the phone, but real estate did teach me how to talk on the phone much better. It does, <laughs> so, yeah. I didn't like real estate, but it did t- teach me some really good lessons. Right, but what right. What would you What would you say to a listener who does call somebody, whether it be a friend or work somebody for work purposes? The person's like, "I'm busy right now," or you know. <laughs> And then that dread comes over you like, oh my God, I bothered somebody. Oh, this person re- is rejecting me. They don't want to talk to me. How do you approach it when someone says, not right now? Like,
1: I can't talk right now. I don't, yeah, I'm busy. Yeah, it's a constant. You just have to practice it. You just have, and then when it happens to you, you have to take it in and just send that person out love. I know it's going to sound corny, but um, most people, don't want to be rude. Most people don't want to be hurtful. A lot of people are going through things that you don't even know what they're going through. And I would just say, you know, don't, I mean, as someone you're right, as an empath, we take, we tend to take things personally, or we get our feelings hurt, but I've really worked on that. And and I look, I've got some years on you. So this is like something that I've worked on a lot in my life to realize it's not about me. I'm a good person you know, I am a, I come at it with good intentions. If you are coming at phone call with good intentions, you just want to say hello to someone and check in with them and see what their needs are and how you can be of service. And they're rude to you. Well, then just hang up the phone, send them some love and kind of move on and realize it's not you, you know, or, I mean, I had a situation happen just last week where someone reached out to me they wanted to do a documentary to, uh, on a situation, animal welfare situations. And they saw, they reached out to me through my website, my directing website. And I called this person and she was so rude to me on the phone because she didn't know who I was. And she thought I was just some random caller. And she was like, what do you want? Who is this? Who is this? And I, And I was like, um, it's Jennifer Peterson, you reached out to me because I think you're looking for someone to help you <laughs> with a documentary. And then there was this like long pause. Like she was like, I could tell on her side, she was mortified that she'd been rude to me. And she was like, oh, that... oh like that... remember
0: that um, audition tape that I can't remember what that young actor's name was. I'm, I'm, I'm old school, so I don't know all the young actors, but it was some young guy and he was doing an audition tape last year during COVID and the director wasn't on mute on his side. So he was making comments about how this, this young actor lived in a tiny box in California. He was like, and look, I mean, look at that. He just has like a TV right there. And you just in this tiny little box, like how the hell do people live? Like, and he had like a British accent. So I don't, oh. I forget what the director's name is right now, but. Well,
1: but, that director, whoever the director is, is more was mortified.
0: Mortified. He actually said that, um, Cause the, the young actor said, um, you're not on mute right now. And he's like, but that's why I need this job because yes, I am living in a tiny box. And if you give me this job, that will help me to get out of this tiny box. And then the director said in his British accent, oh my God, I'm mortified. And it was like, you should be because you're judging someone based on what their materialism is. And yeah, so I can't even, I, I bet you that girl kind of felt the same way when she, when she said, yeah, what do you want? And you're like, I'm, I'm here.
1: I'm d- the director. I'm here to help you. Like, with well, your first of all, first of all, shout out to that actor who, while, while the director was saying crappy stuff about, it, it was a, it was a male actor or female actor. Was it like, was a, a young male actor in his early twenties, I think. Oh yeah. So what? shout out, whoever that guy was, and I'm going to look it up is like literally shout out to him for being honest and calling that director out and saying, um, excuse me. Uh, I mean, I love people who are bold enough to speak out. Sometimes when you speak out, you don't get the job. You don't get you don't get hired, but you certainly feel better about yourself that you actually spoke out. Yeah.
0: In the young actor, he put that video on his um, Instagram and and all of these actors were, were saying good for you. Good for you for speaking out. Did he get the job? No, of course not. But everyone was like, you know what? You didn't get the job because that, that director is mortified and was embarrassed and didn't want to be around you. And that's why you didn't get the job. No, don't feel bad for not getting this job because he was just embarrassed
1: and didn't wow. want to be around you. Wow. So yeah. So, so back with, with, with my situation, she as, as soon as I corrected her, she, she it was funny because I thought to myself, wow, I want to just hang up. But then I thought, you know what? I'm not going to hang up. I'm going to, I'm going to send her out positive energy and love, and I'm going to let her know who I am. And then I'm going to help her because I know she's going to be embarrassed and we're going to have a conversation. And it ended up being fine. It's never about you. It's not about you. It could have been anyone calling and it would have been the same response
0: you're going to be around all kinds of people. And Mm. when you get clear about what you're available for and the best way for me to get clear about it is to write it down and say, you know, I am available for this. I'm available for that. And don't focus so much on what I don't want. Then Mm. it, it gets clear to the, and I'm throwing out that vibration of energy into the universe and the universe, it responds in a boomerang effect. So it will reflect to me what I put out into it. Mm-hmm. So, and, and so I know that there's the golden rule, treat people how you want to be treated. And yes, I do believe in karma and the golden rule and all that. But like you said, it's a learning process to understand the signs and the flags earlier on. So that way you don't end up getting hurt the same
1: over and over again, whether it's through work or a relationship or a friendship. And you'll and you'll get those red and those flags will be waving and then they start they really start waving like really fast and if you ignore them you know you're just gonna you're just gonna learn the hard way I'm much faster now at seeing the red flags I'm much faster at being okay, able to let go of relationships where those flags are waving but it took me. You know, it took me some heartache and it took me losing some jobs I loved. It took me losing some relationships um, to get to the place I'm at now. So I just tell everyone to be patient and really um, take this journey you're on, this this incredible journey of life as as school. And we're here to learn stuff.
0: Your career and all the hats you wear. Yeah, It's so important that people know that just because you see somebody being super successful Mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean that they just woke up one day and said, oh, I'm going to be an actress or, oh, I'm going to be an author or Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a scientist or I'm going to be whatever it is, a doctor, a nurse. It's not that you just wake up and you're already there at where Mm -hmm. you want to be don't do something in order to be quote famous do something because you have passion in what you're doing and then the money will flow to you much easier that way yeah at least that's yeah. what i've learned it's all about the feeling good of what you're doing for your purpose work yes and then, and then you're blessed through finances or through someone asking to interview you or whatever
1: 100, I 100% agree with everything you just said. You know, for me, it's all about authenticity, honesty, um, being brave, you know, stepping outside your comfort zone. I mean, these are things we hear a lot, you know, but they're not always things easy to do. I do think sometimes, you know, how do I want to be remembered? you know how do i want what kind of impact do i want to have and i think at this point if you were to ask my friends they would just say you know jennifer does a lot for it it would always go back to like animals and what i'm doing even though you know i i do producing and directing and writing and i'm i'm successful at that you know the real estate has is is lots of fun and i'm helping lots of people get into homes but I think that's what it would boil down to is my love for animals of being of service. And that's great for me. That part does not bring me a lot of money, but it brings me a lot of satisfaction. And I kind of think it's one of the reasons I'm on the planet. It's almost like we have to ask ourselves, you know, what's my specialness? You know, everyone's special. Everyone has their gift. Doesn't mean everyone's going to be Beethoven or everyone's going to be Steven Spielberg or Oprah Winfrey, right? I mean... It's literally, what is your special gift? You could be the most amazing dog walker on the planet. I have the most amazing dog walker on the planet. That person is gold, gold, and they love their job. Speaking of loving what you do, so tell us a
0: little bit more about your podcast
1: show. And yes.
0: And what you're working on right now.
1: Well, my podcast is called And Justice for Animals. And I did a, right now we have season one up on iTunes and Spotify and every other place in the world. You can find a podcast, I think, right? And on the show, I've interviewed 10 phenomenal animal welfare experts. And we sort of jump around in themes. But the overall theme, of course, is how do we make the world a better place for animals? End of story. Because when you make the world a better place for animals, you're making the world a better place for humans, and uh, because if you if we don't take care of the animals, we're we're abusing the planet. Basically, it's all tied to environmental stuff in our in our existence here. So I've got wonderful guests on the show. I mean, I have Larissa Wall from the Hallmark Channel, and we talk about um, animal rescue and how much she loves rescuing animals. I have Patty Shanker on there who talks about palm oil and the devastation of the rainforest because of palm oil and why we all want to stay away from it. I live a vegan lifestyle. I'm super proud of that. and I came to that about eight years ago. Um, before that I was vegetarian. So it was just a natural progress for me. The more I learned, the more I got to that point. So I have some people talking about vegan living on the show. I've got a wonderful, um, guy talking about uh, his work with pit bulls because they're so often maligned and they're amazing dogs. So we do a show on that. Um, and it's just a joy for me and I'm getting ready for a second season. We're booking guests now, so we should have that the second season up, but there's plenty of time for people to... We, we got a whole bunch of new listeners during COVID, <laughs> which I was very pleased about. I didn't record any new shows during COVID. I was just too uh, busy. Plus, I record in studio in Long Beach, California. I have a great um, engineer. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. And um, I'm also as some things are lifting around COVID, I've got, I, I am doing a project as a hush hush project now for focus features. And they've got a film coming out, which I'm doing marketing content for them on. So I'm writing a bunch of stuff right now, um, short scripts and uh, marketing scripts and that good stuff. So I'm busy and I'm showing property to, to people. So basically I am wearing a lot of hats, but you know, I enjoy it. I'm not a, I'm not a one job kind of gal. I never have been.
0: I'm the same way. I like to to dive into multiple things because I think people are allowed to have multiple passions and multiple success areas. And I love your videos on Instagram. I was so drawn to you because I could tell you are a good person and that you have a lot of care. And I would like our listeners to know why it's so important to rescue animals and adopt rather than buy animals. Because to me, I think that's the biggest misconception when people say, look at my new French bulldog, you know, and I'm like,
1: did you rescue it? (laughs) Like, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm afraid to ask. I get so emotional about this that sometimes... Yeah. I mean, to me, it's pretty simple. We are, this country, the United States, we're killing over 6 million healthy, beautiful, loving animals in our shelters every year because of pet overpopulation. 6 million. Now of those, very few of those dogs are actually sick or, you know, need to be put down. They're put down because they don't have anywhere to go. And it's an atrocity. It's a dirty, I mean, I call it America's dirty secret because um, actually it's not a secret. What I refer to as America's dirty secret are these puppy mills that are these places in the Midwest and uh, these breeders are mass breeding dogs in these horrible facilities. And then they're ripping the puppies from their moms at like eight weeks and sending them by truck to pet stores or sending them. Over, you know, by plane to people who bought them on the internet. Um, you know, it's our duty to to protect animals. It's our duty. We we call dogs man's best friend, and yet we're killing six million of them in shelters. No, and you know, a lot of people will say, well, you don't know what you're going to get from a shelter dog, and I'll be like, well, you're pretty sure you're going to get an amazing dog. What do the shelters do? Well, it's not just shelters. It's also rescues because a lot of rescues, we have like legitimate rescues all over our country that are are saving animals, pulling them from the shelters, putting them in foster homes. And if you you can't rescue a dog, definitely offer to foster for a local rescue because fosters are very, very important. If you want a dog or a cat, go to a local rescue in your area or go to the shelter and save a life don't be part of a a system that's just bringing more animals onto the planet when we already have this. And there's other countries that don't have the problem we have. There's other countries who really spay and neuter better, definitely spay and neuter your pets. But as long as we have this problem, which is tragic, you know, we always rescued animals. The two dogs I have now, I rescued one from a shelter and then I rescued one off the mean streets of Los Angeles. (laughs) It was dodging traffic and I found out who owned him and they didn't want him anymore. He's an adorable multi-poo mix. Your chances of getting a healthier dog at a shelter through rescue are much better than ever getting a a healthy dog from a breeder. I mean, breeders, uh, you know, they they do inbreeding. There's the classic story of the guy who created the Labradoodle, right? Years ago, the Labradoodle, the the dog that lots of people talk about. I got to have a Labradoodle. Well, the guy who created this breed says it's the worst thing he ever did. I mean, he regrets it every day and you, you can Google that and you can, it's, that's an easy thing to check because of all the health issues these dogs have, they have hip issues. And so, you know, you're going to be taking on expenses that you have, don't have any idea of that they're coming down the road. Um, and it breaks my heart when I see a lot of these, you know, designer dogs they call them because these are dogs that have just. I look at them and I go, yeah, you're going to have eye problems, hip problems, yada yada. Both my dogs, my rescue dogs, are could not be any healthier. And my Frida, my cattle dog, I've had for 11 years, and you know, every day I feel blessed to have them in my lives. And there's that classic saying of. A rescue dog will never forget that you saved their life. It's really true. Or a rescue cat. I'm sorry. Or any rescue animal. I mean, I've got a friend around the corner who rescued a pig. Then this pig is the cutest thing, Olive Garden the pig. You can check her out on Instagram. She's adorable. That pig is is the sweetest thing on the planet. So I just don't think there's really any excuse not to. If you want a dog and you and you or a cat, it's just just rescue. That's all I have to say. Yeah, just so many. The- the breeders
0: Perfect. that are doing all this with the, the puppy mills, yeah. obviously the common denominator is from right. profit.
1: It's money. What? How they keep the dogs, the dogs, the, the parents of these puppies. Um, so when you buy a puppy from a pet store or over the internet and, and they have these cute little websites, that's all BS, right? It's all a lie. The parents of those puppies are kept in conditions for years where they never touch the ground. They never... Um, Go to a vet. They're never touched by humans. They never play with a ball, or I mean, they can live in that in those conditions for over a decade. And then when they're no longer of use, these breeders will either kill them or they'll just hand them off to a rescue. Say now you take care of them. Or if a puppy is born with any kind of disfigurement, they'll either kill the puppy or they'll hand it off to a rescue. So I mean, I have no respect for anyone who you know these breeders with the puppy mill situation. And and by the way. I have yet to talk to a breeder who is willing to be on my show first of all to give their side which is which tells me everything. I've reached out to many of them and they all every breeder will say well that's not me. I'm not like that even though we can see the reports from the USDA that they have m- many infractions against them and you know They'll all deny, deny, deny. So I, you know, it's and then um, they don't
0: want to come on your show to explain that they're not this way. Of course not. No, opposite direction. Yeah.
1: No, I said to one breeder, I said, "Let's get you on the show with someone who adopted a dog. Let's get the conversation going. Why? Why do you think it's so important to 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 be breeding and to to, you know right now when when we're killing so many dogs because there's not enough space." We could find homes for every rescue dog. We could empty the shelters. People just need to open up their ho- their hearts and homes, and, and and don't rescue a dog just to rescue. Know that that is a family member. And if you do want a dog or a cat, please do rescue.
0: And that was one another positive thing that came out of the whole pandemic situation was there were people that said, you know what, now's a great time to. To invite a new family member into our home, and here in Dallas, they they had a a push on one of the local news stations to empty the shelters, is what uh-huh. it was called, empty the shelters, and and they did, they did it all, and and I think it was within forty eight hours, every yeah. single animal, every single cat, every single dog was emptied out of the shelter, and this mm-hmm. was last year. And it was such a beautiful movement to see how a local news station just used their platform to help. And they do this every Wednesday. It's called Wednesday's Child. It's ABC, the local news affiliate. ABC every Wednesday on Wednesday's Child, they highlight a child who is up for adoption, like who's you know living in an orphanage, and do a story on this child and. They put the child on on TV to answer the questions of what kind of family they hope to have. And there's so many children that are getting adopted. I just think it's such a beautiful thing. Yeah. And they're not getting profits off of doing this, you know? I mean, they're just doing it because it's something that we often forget about and take for granted. Human beings need to be loved, even if they have, you know, diabetes or asthma or whatever. And same thing with animals. The cat I ended up with, she was born with oversized adrenal glands. She had Mm -hmm. false heat every single month. It was awful on some nights because she would Uh bang the blinds all the time. And I was like, well, I'm not going to give her up because she's she's healthy otherwise. And she deserves love too, you know? And she ended up being like a really cool cat. And yeah, so what if she had false heat every month? You know, I had some sleepless nights, but she passed away last year and it was last March. And she was a great cat for me. And she had diabetes when she was older and it was expensive, but there's no way in hell I would ever have given her up because of her health issues that she ended up having and this wasn't even the shelter cat that i rescued this was the cat from my dad's coworker so mm-hmm.
1: yeah and well, this is uh, to your point about manifesting because my cattle dog is is without a doubt my greatest teacher without a doubt that she's she's who i adopted 11 years ago after my divorce but, you know, sometimes all she's got some health things going on, but this is one thing I know you're always, if you do something, if you, if you rescue an animal or you're, or you're coming from a place of love and service, the universe is going to bring you what you need to take care of that animal. You may be panicking going, "Oh, am I going to afford this? How am I going to do it? Do you know how many times I have fostered a dog for a legitimate rescue or a taken a dog in that needed help where I did a GoFundMe? I did a GoFundMe page to raise money for the, the health issues. And I raised that money in days I've raised, there was one dog that I helped. I took a year and a half to get this pup placed. She was very challenging and beautiful, but, um, you know, I raised like probably three, $4,000 for that dog, just from like, I had to put the work in, but the people were there who wanted to help. Yeah. That's a
0: really good idea. Actually. Um, I know someone who fosters animals and, but that's how I got my dog is because she was at the grocery store in the parking lot. The dog runs up to her. She's like, Oh my gosh, you're a stray. You've been on the run for a while. And then she's like, get in the car, <laughs> you know? And then, and then it was Christmas party time. That sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. And we, I go to the Christmas party and there's the dog just like laying there. And I'm like, you got a new dog or a new foster dog? And she's like, Found this boy in the parking lot of the grocery store. And he just ran up to me and I just kept looking at the dog all night. And I realized like how calm it was and how sweet. And I was like, you know, my dad really wants a dog. And I said, his, my dad's dad has Alzheimer's and you know, he's going through a hard time. And, and I was like, I, I know my dad has been talking about adopting a dog. And so they ended up adopting him. And so his name changed from buddy to Gilly, but I still call him buddy and Gilly and Gilbo Baggins and Gil Billy and all the fun names I give him. Yeah. So Gilly ended up being a great dog for my dad to help him deal with his dad and Alzheimer's. And so Mm, my dad had this, this dog for it was about a little over a year and then my dad unfortunately got brain cancer and passed away Mm -hmm. suddenly. And so Mm -hmm. then I took the dog. And so like, even though this one wasn't really like a a shelter dog or it it was still rescued a rescue dog. Oh yeah. Like this dog was house trained. It was leash trained in, it had been on the run for a while. This dog's a runner. It's a hunting dog. So it's a Brittany retriever. So it's a Brittany Spaniel golden retriever. But but yeah, it's like the universe has a way of placing you as the owner of an animal who needs love. Yeah. And there's always like some kind of touching story that goes with having this fam- new family member come into your life and how they help heal you through your hard times but also you're healing them because they, you know, my dog had heartworms at the time. And like, you know, there's all these other things from being on the run.
1: So, um, well, I mean, my dog is a red healer. Okay. And I'm a redhead and, and, and my friends do not, um, makes words and they go, you guys were soulmates brought together. And just to sort of reiterate what we've said, you know, it's important to stay open to what the universe brings you, even though it may have it may seem so bizarre to you. You may think, of, "Why is this creature coming into my life, or where is this person coming in my life, or why is this job now being offered me?" To just kind of go with it, if it feels, um, if you're intrigued. I know that with Frida, my cattle dog, you know, I adopted her. She was full. She was full grown, probably a year, a year and a half old. They guessed um, through that that relationship. Think about it. I was going through a divorce, totally broken, alone, no money, no nothing, trying to figure out my life. All I know is I need to adopt a dog. That's the one message I'm getting from the universe. Basically, one of the reasons is because my ex didn't want to have pets and I was missing that, that connection. So I said, okay, I can do it now. In this 10-year period, my life has been changed so much, and I attribute so much of it to her in this relationship. I mean, from me getting into animal welfare, from me fighting the puppy mill pet stores, from me making these award-winning PSAs on pet adoption, For me, producing, being one of the producers of the Hallmark American Rescue Dog Show, which I've done three years in a row. We unfortunately couldn't do it this year because of COVID. Hopefully we will be back, but that was a great show that Hallmark did. So much about my life, where if you had seen me 13, 14 years ago, I wasn't doing animal welfare stuff. I loved animals, but I wasn't out there holding up signs and trying to get laws changed. This is all because I allowed myself And I was petrified, by the way. I was terrified. I can't take care of a dog. It's been forever. I don't have the money. How am I going to do this? She's too big. I wanted a little dog. I mean, all the the stuff. She ended up being the perfect dog for me. I mean, getting my butt out of bed when I was so depressed, I didn't want to get up. Every time I look at her, I'm reminded of how powerful the universe is how powerful I am, that I have this relationship with her and that she's happy, you know, she's thriving at 13. Right. I feel blessed, you know, and, and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have her if I hadn't gone through that horrifying time in my life. Don't give up people, no matter what horrible thing you're going through. And I'm telling you uh, nothing in my, I've had cancer. I lost a house in a fire and the divorce by far was the worst thing I've been through. And I got through that. And then I got the greatest gift ever. No, it wasn't easy. I didn't have, but it felt right. And I'm not, I've never thought life. I've never been someone who thought life was ever supposed to be easy. And that's one of the misconceptions about the
0: law of attraction and manifestation is people think that it's like an on and off switch. Like you either get it or you don't. And as soon as you get it, you don't have to like have any hardships And I'm over here going, no, like you said, the university of life. And we're always, always learning how to surrender no matter what we manifest, because I got literally 99% of everything I ever wanted so fast. I'm still to this day, learning how to surrender and learning how to let go of the control. You just trusted that this animal was meant to be in your
1: life and yeah, there was no doubt about it. There was no doubt about it. Like, I had, to, I fought it for two days, and even my friends were like, What are you doing, Jennifer? I mean, like, what the heck? Go get her. And, and so, so I mean, literally, when you have people like even your friends just telling you, and you're just like, Okay, I can't fight this anymore, you know, and, and it was nothing. I think it was just the fear. It wasn't the fear of money as much as just the fear of, am I the best one for her? Like I always, you know, it was like I had and then I had to say to myself, of course, I'm the best one for her. And I have become the best one for her because I tell her every single day, I tell both my dogs every day that I am so grateful they came into my life. I'm so grateful to have these two amazing teachers. These one, a very um, brilliant, smart cattle dog who is always there to protect me. And then one goofy, dorky, multi poo mix who with a hilarious underbite who just keeps me laughing all the time because laughter is so important. We have to laugh. I mean, laughter is. Gets people through everything of just finding. So he, my little multi-poo just cracks me up. Now that is worth all the money I have to put into this dog because if he, I mean, like, I don't think I've ever been in a relationship with the guy who made me laugh as much as this dog. So maybe he's out there. Maybe that guy's out there can make me laugh. But he's out, here. He's out okay, there. Thank because- you. Thank you, Jacqueline. I appreciate no,
0: that. Believe <laughs> me, I was single for nine years and it was because I was trying to heal from that horrible relationship. And when I said, okay, now I'm ready for the right relationship and I'm ready for the right partnership. And I started doing my methods that I was doing when I was performing that experiment on myself with right. the whole writing into reality. And literally, I met the guy I wrote, I wrote it all down using my right hand. I'm left-handed. I wrote it all down and I did this and I trusted the process and I was open. I made physical space for him in my home. And then I made mental and emotional space and was committed to
1: the relationship. Now, when you give physical space in the home, does that mean they have to have half of the bed or can you have two thirds of the bed and just give the guy one third? I'm wondering about that. Uh, we're not living together right now. He's still working as a chemist
0: in his lab and he's in Ohio and I'm here in Texas. But I had decided before I met him that I wanted my own bedroom and I wanted him to have his own bedroom because I know, love we, it. We need our own space, but you know, still like be in a loving relationship. And yeah, so I just made physical space here, meaning like. I made one half of the closet mine and one half of the closet bare for his stuff. You know, he comes here and we visit and then, and same with the bathroom counter. I made one half of it, my counter and I left one half space. Wow. You gave him a whole
1: half of the counter. I don't know if I'd be that, I don't know if I'd be that generous. I might give a third of the counter to someone, but I um. I don't have a big counter. So it had
0: to, it, it was like one side of the sink and the other side but I did all that stuff and I was committed to the relationship and I would write out everything that I was experiencing in my relationship as if it, if it was really happening. And within 10 months, it was like the exact profile of the person I was describing just like slipped right under my wing and I slipped right under his and um, I didn't focus on physical stuff in
1: my manifesting. Uh, see, that's my, pro- that's my big mistake. Cause I have a big picture of Keanu Reeves on my fridge and he hasn't walked in yet. So I think, <laughs> I think I'm too focused on the, uh, the exterior. Is that what you're saying, Jacqueline? I will
0: tell you in my little experiment that I did, which I put it into my book. Don't feel stuck in love. I literally put all of my manifesting methods in that book. I did not focus on physical because I thought if I focused on physical, then that's like limiting my mind. That's a a limiting. And so I just talked about his ideal ideologies, his morals, his career and what makes him passionate and what our relationship is like, what we expected from each other and how our partnerships would play out. And I have to say like this happened three years ago and Covid kind of put a, a crimp in the whole like work thing and like traveling for a little bit, but yes,
1: it did. It did.
0: Yeah, we see each other every few months and like every two three months, and we are so happy together. And yeah, it's not like yes. I mean, yeah, we have misunderstandings just like everybody else, but the foundation that I built through my my writing into reality of yeah. manif- fasting manifesting faster. I focused on making sure I had a good foundation and framework of the relationship that I want.
1: You have to be really specific as to what you want to, you have to be like, I just want everyone to know. I don't really have a picture of Keanu Reeves on my fridge. That would be a little weird. (laughs) I just want I just need to let everyone know, just so you don't all think I'm crazy. I mean, yes, I find him attractive, but I'm not trying to manifest him in my living room. Yeah. And yet, my girlfriends are all laughing, going, Yeah, you are, Jen. No, I am not. Okay. But I do, I do think you have to be really specific. And I know at this point, and it's interesting too how things change as you get older, or just go through a lot in your life, because um, you know, I mean, if you were to look at the relationships I've had, there's no, they don't, not one guy looks like another. So there's not like a look. But I tell you one thing, I think humor is like number one now for me. I mean, oh my gosh. I think having someone to laugh and kindness and empathy, empathy is a big one. I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, you just got to be really clear and you have to, what the universe does to me constantly is put people in my path who are not right for me. I feel like the universe is constantly kind of having fun with me, testing me and going, what about this one, Jen? You're going to fall for this one? And I'll be like, mm, no, I got it. I got the red flag in the first hour of us talking. So, you know, this is what you do. You get better at it. You just get better as you get older, and go through more relationships. And then some people meet their soulmates when they're like friggin' nineteen years old, and they stay together forever. And they have their own journey that they're doing. Right. And you it know? Do, yeah, it doesn't mean that life's you know perfect and happy all the
0: time just because they met them sooner in life. No, we no, all, we all go through the the same relationship stuff yeah, you're refining, you're defining and you're polishing what it is that you truly want. Cause sometimes you think, you know what you want and then you get it and then you realize you don't want it. So (laughs) yeah. So, and and like, for me, like the universe sign for me during this process was I saw a commercial on TV for uh, an online site and it was like $20 for three months. And I thought, well, what do I have to lose? $20. Okay. So I signed up for it and There was, you know, the first, it was like the first two months, it was a lot of salespeople, doctors, lawyers, and I I don't really connect with that. And so I was like, "Uh." and there were some guys, you know, that were pretty nice, but I was just like this, I'm committed to this relationship that I have written out and that I write out and, and I'm committed to this feeling of being in this relationship. So I've married this relationship. And so I was committed to it. And then like one day the profile pops into to my box and I was like, oh my gosh, a scientist researcher. What? You know? And I was like, oh, he's cute. He had like dimples and green eyes. And I was like, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, I want to pick this guy's brain. So I sent him a smile. He sent me one back and then I messaged him and then he messaged me and I realized within, I want to say it was probably like three or four months, I realized, oh my gosh, he's exactly... I mean, he didn't have the British accent like I... I was like, I want a guy from Europe, but he's American, but he loves Europe and he
1: goes to Europe a lot for work. So, um, but yeah, yeah. But you can role play. He can just put on a British accent whenever you want. You know, that's not a hard know. thing. That's not know. a hard thing to do, my dear. If you want, to put, if you want him to speak British for you, just have him give me a call. I'll help you out. <laughs> Well, everything else,
0: he was exactly <laughs> who I wanted as a person and, uh-huh. and our relationship is the way I wanted it. So That's great. yeah. And we've made, and we've made plans and, you know, I know COVID can put a crimp in things, but we're making the progression and we're doing it slow and steady. And so we both feel comfortable and, you know, I feel like an equal in this relationship. And uh-huh. he had a dog, his dog just passed away this week. He had a beagle and the beagle is 15. So um, he had a dog and I have my dog and it's not a, a this or that ultimatum situation at all. Right. It's a, right. it's a thing that. And
1: so I know your guy is out there. Your oh, friends. yes. I'm yeah. not. I know it, too. I know. I mean, you know, for me, I was uh, I was in a relationship for basically from my early 20s to like my Mid forties, so like, I mean, not the same guy, but like, you know, a dating, always, you know, always getting out there. So, you know, I like my alone time too. I like this time for creation. Um, a lot of people, a lot of my friends were worried that through COVID would I be okay, and I was like, I'm, I'm okay. You know, I mean, I do a lot of writing, so I'm okay. I, I spend a lot of alone time. I think it's been way harder for people who are out there all the time and major, you know, people, people the distraction you know, seekers. That's what I call it. Right. Them. Right. Right. Like for me, you know, is this, this has been an incredible time to just learn more about myself and my vision and to work on projects I love. And, you know, I mean, I fostered a dog during the pandemic. Yeah.
0: And like you, uh, with the COVID thing, I mean, yeah, I miss, there was like in October, November, I was having a hard time. I was like, I really miss you. And like, we talk on the video every day, but overall, like, like you said, it, it's a great way to spend some time with yourself and get some things done that you wanted to do that maybe you couldn't because of all, all life's distractions. And I mm-hmm. mean, Newton, he wrote his laws and all his stuff during the plague. So, you know, there's
1: good things that come out of being alone. And yes, Newton and I are like, we are just in total. <laughs> total sink. Like, <laughs> yes. I mean, maybe I'm not quite, have, haven't gotten quite as much done as Newton did during the plague, but I'm feeling solid about what I have. No. Yes. You that's have this that's actually talk- interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And you have this great
0: podcast and, and you have your great job with in Hollywood that you're doing and, and, you're doing real estate so you're helping people find their homes and uh-huh. and I'm just so thankful for you coming on here and tell people where they can go to learn
1: more about you like your social ah. media handle and your website and your podcast. Sure. Um okay, so uh, my podcast is called And Justice for Animals and you can I have a website where you can access all the episodes also on that. It's just andjusticeforanimals.com. You can follow me on Instagram at Jennifer Peterson underscore CA living, CA as in California, because I'm out here in California. And if you want to see some of the uh, content I've done in Hollywood, you can go to jenniferpetersondirector.com. And if you're looking for real estate, <laughs> you can just google me. Jennifer Peterson Realtor in Long Beach and you'll get at you'll you'll find me. I also the website is sweetcaliforniapads.com. And I think that is everything on me that any person would need to reach me depending on what they're interested in, but I I I hope some of your listeners will tune tune into my podcast cuz it's really my my passion and everything kind of branches off of that, the animal stuff. Yeah.
0: So are you ready to manifest even faster? Go to your country's Amazon website and type in don't feel stuck. Seriously, your soul will thank you. See you next time, (laughs) manifestors. (laughs) Shake it up, stop when the clock hits thirteen.
1: Sing one, two, three, four. Cus, cuz, cuz. No one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. no one can do it like we do it.